0: Welcome to Cycle Systems Academy podcast. We um, are on the final day of the Tour de France. I'm just out with the dog um, while the boring bit of the stage is happening, while the, the biggest rider swaps bike with the smallest rider and all the rest of it. I'm going to go back and watch the sprint at the Champs-Élysées later. I'm really thrilled on this, under um, the Tour Short pod, to uh, be joined by Xavier Disley from Aero Coach. So, Zev, welcome to the pod. Thanks, Sean. Nice to hear from you again. And yourself, and you're not in the office either. Are are you? Whereabouts are you, So? Uh,
1: I'm in Porlock. I've just done a hill climb. It was very difficult. Um, but I can highly recommend it as a location for riding your bike. It's lovely. <laughs> really nice around here.
0: Yeah, it's a really nice race that. And funnily enough, I just had like a, a memory come up on Facebook and it was my son's first ever bike race. He did it when he was like seven oh, or eight fantastic. or something. Wow, so that that's cool. cool. Yeah, it's cool to see the photos of that. And they did they do it as a mass start, They're really little kids. Oh right. And they all rode back down afterwards. So I said, how did you do? He said, well, I don't know, because we caught another group of kids. But he said, I felt like I was going to throw up when I finished. <laughs> so I was like, well, there you go. You, you did as well as you could. Yeah, that's definitely, yeah, ticking the box on a hill climb. Wanting yeah. to throw up at the top, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so essentially, for anyone that doesn't know um, Xavier, um, Xavier is one of the country's leading Aerodynamicists. Um, his company, Aero Coach, does aero testing for all sorts of people from um, private individuals, teams, etc., and has also got a huge range of products for aerodynamics, from disc wheels and deep section wheels and clothing. And I would have thought most people listening to this would have heard Zav um, on the time trial podcast and various other places. You even got a name check in the Eurosport commentary. I noticed yesterday. As oh well. yeah,
1: yeah,
0: that was cool. And you might have seen Zav in Cycling Weekly years ago with these huge Aero socks that look like aeroplane wings or something. um so first of all it's been a very very um condensed tour de france for time trialing just the one time trial and let's get on to that shortly but first of all obviously aerodynamics which is your area of expertise is everywhere now in modern cycling even the lightweight climbing bikes are getting aero so looking at the Hmm. road stages was there anything that you noticed this year that was particularly new or notable in the road bikes and the road stages
1: i think that more people are using um deep sections than they might not have done before um but i think i think the the, the peloton has definitely cottoned on that the air is a thing and so you're not seeing too many sprinters using climbing bikes and bikes that are you know more comfortable for them that kind of thing. Um what has been interesting is seeing how people have been approaching stuff like breakaways. So if you look at Mark hershey I mean he was using his bike computer as a extra set of aero bars effectively, draping his hand over the top of the bars and grabbing the front of the gigantic bike computer to hold like <laughs> a pseudo aero position because obviously the the rider is a like, around 80% 75-80% of the drag. So if you can get yourself into an aero position, like it doesn't really matter what your bike's how good your bike is because you'll be you know, you'll be more aero for that reason. Um it was interesting to see that soren Craig Anderson from somewhere when he won his um breakaway stage, uh I can't remember what stage number it was, but when he went off the front, um he had a a non-Aero bike. But again, he was holding real great position. And from a tactics point of view, like if you get the jump on people, then yes, you might be a little bit less aero than someone behind. But um again if you can hold a good position and things it really yeah it really makes a, it really makes a difference so um everyone's everyone's on it with the aero people aren't riding flappy jerseys anymore um and you know that and that kind of stuff like everyone's everyone's really approaching it and also something i keep banging on about is tires and you see like a lot of teams are using different kinds of tires and you know faster tires when they kind of get away with it in terms of road surface and playing with tire pressures and stuff like that um because it makes such a difference that you know, it, it's just one of the other things that you need to optimize to squeeze every last watt out of the bike that you can.
0: Well, you, uh, we must be cyclically connected because I was going to talk about tires on the next question. <laughs> and in fact, I believe on Hershey's crash, um, it was apparently because he was on a heavier gauge tire with completely mm. different compounds and he, it just didn't deform to the road. It wasn't as supple as his normal yeah. tires. It's because of the gravel section on that ride. So, it's definitely worth noting to anyone listening, if you do change your tyres uh, for a different compound or change your pressures for different conditions, make sure you really test it out in the corners because there's the result, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the quote said, he was. yeah, the reason why he crashed is just because he hadn't ridden the tyre before or, or even enough and, and he comes off and that's, you know, his chances of uh, getting a better result like stuffed again Um, because the feel feel of different tyres even like different manufacturers even compounds from the same manufacturers is is dramatically different in fact we did some work with a pro team um, not too long ago where it was quite interesting we were sent some tyres to do testing on uh, tubeless tyres and uh, whenever we do that with a pro team we do it, they send them the data we don't publish the data but then when the production version of the tyre comes out we buy some, do the testing and then publish that so we got these tyres, and they were they were incredible. They were so fast, and um, they were quite heavy, tubeless tyres. But the they were they were real fast. So we sent the team the data, and they were really happy with it. Um, and then no, nothing happened. And then when the production version of the tyre came out, we tested it, and it was rubbish. <laughs> they were absolutely terrible, and and the tyre was lighter, but um, it was like thirty grams lighter, but it was it was really slow. So we we went back to the team and said, look, you know we we retested the original tires they sent us because we still had them, same result. Uh, and we said, look, you know, we think there's a bit of a discrepancy here. What do you reckon? And the team were like, right, well, let's look into this. And they they went back to the tire manufacturer, the tire sponsor, and said, look, we've had this, we've had this independent testing. You know, what do you think? And they said, oh, yeah, no, we didn't tell you. We changed the compound.
0: <laughs> oh, my God.
1: And it was, and, and you know, if they hadn't, and, and they were going to give them all of these slow tires for the 2021 season. So that team's <sighs> had to... Sorry, the, the, the tire manufacturers rolled back to, I think it was like two prototypes before um, to, uh, to you know, actually get the speed back because it was going to cost them a lot. And we were talking like for a pair of wheels at 50K, it was like over 10 watts, which for a time trialist you know, in sort of France, 10 watts is, is a hell of a lot. Um, so uh, that, was, that, was, that was dead interesting. That was um, listening how the, you know, the changes in compounds and things, even for a tire that looked identical, um you know that you change a compound and then it performs totally differently there's a tire another tire that's doing the work doing the rounds in the pro teams and has done for years i think tony martin won a world tt champs on it it's a continental tire which is designated as the one 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 and we had a pair briefly but then they were taken off us so we couldn't do any testing on them but um it looks like it's a continental um supersonic tire which is their thinnest most fast tire um, the, the compound is the supersonic, but they stick the compound into a different mold, which is the mold for the GP 4,000, cause it's quite mm. an aero mold. So you've got this combination of aero and aero resistance. Um, and there were teams on it in the Tour de France yesterday. So, um, it, and in Terreno as well. Um, some of the riders had that, had that special tie. I think it's clincher only, but again, like details are a bit sketchy. Like we haven't, uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure you can't tubeless it. Um, but apparently it's really quick. Maybe I'll get hold of one at some point and we can test it, but um, yeah, no tires are really, really interesting because you, you you just can't tell. And you also can't tell what pressures people are running as well. so you look at a you look at a bike and you, you it's really like one of those little secrets that you can't you can't you know find out what, what the secret is just by looking. you have to actually have the hard data.
0: yeah, and it it's been a fascinating season, hasn't it, what we've had a bit anyway, for tires in the pro ranks because in January the whole of Quickstep were on tubeless and it was tubeless mm. all the way. And mm. then Specialized released the new Roval's, which looked tubeless, but they're saying aren't tubeless. And they've been back on, like Ala Philippe had clinches with um, latex tubes one day, then he had tubulas the next day. So it feels like Specialized and Roval are kind of waiting until this new tubeless standard is approved. And one yes. would assume their latest wheels are not compliant to that standard. It's, but, that, it's, um,
1: it's a really interesting one isn't it the rover wheels mm. and why they came out with that because as you say if you look at the rim profile the the, the tubeless well the bed the the rim bed like you could definitely make that tubeless <laughs> like it, I'm sure it would be fine um but specialized to uh, you know quite on it with their um you know making sure that everything's you know dotting dotting the I's and crossing the T's so if it isn't quite right for the ERTO standard then yeah they won't they won't do it
0: Mm. So like you said even you know 10 15 years ago um you know you watch races and it's incredible how flappy all the jerseys look etc. <laughs> um now you've been one of the pioneers of creating um you know sort of really working with the airflow both on the frames like you famously did with uh, was it Richard Bussell? Yes. Yeah in, the, in the, when he won the 10 mile time trial you literally had yeah, a paint yeah. job on that frame which was smooth yeah. and rough to you know, smooth the airflow, and you've developed the trip socks and the trip suits, etc. So, do you think there's clothing being worn in the road stages, which is aerodynamically optimized with rougher surfaces and smoother surfaces, etc.?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we had some like I can't tell you who it is, but we had some debranded skin suits being used by teams yesterday. Mm-hmm. um in the tts um yep. because the teams are really on it again with they, they know what they're doing with aero and they know that suits make such a difference um and in the road stages i think i have, I have to check with the guys but i'm pretty sure we've made some road skin suit versions of of what yeah. we had on and i know that some web have been doing quite a bit like if you look at the um the suits that they've got they've got these like really cool little ribs down the back of the jerseys um sort of integrated it's like a kind of almost like a skin suit but not quite Um, it's got a full zip most of them have got like a full zip front um but like integrated um bottoms but the uh but yeah they've got these cool little ribs down the down the back of the suit which um will help to keep the airflow attached to the body for longer and and that kind of thing so um certainly the sprinters will be using like aero aero kit as much as possible um and even some of the some of the climbers you know like a, a skin suit um, is going to be lighter than bibs and jersey combo um, yep. so if you can save i don't know 50 50 60 grams or something and you add that you do that five times then suddenly you're 250 grams to the better um, and if you can do it off a skin suit pair of shoes pair of socks whatever then um, you might as well do it um so yeah no i think i think you know that we see more and more teams using that kind of thing um one of the interesting things if we're talking about suits is how when you lead a race you have to use the skin suit of the you know the lead sponsor for the the clothing sponsor for the race so for the tour de france it's lecoq sportif who make the skin suits for the people in the yellow jersey polka dot jersey that kind of stuff and um roglic and pogacar kind of nicely both had had one of those so it's not as if someone could claim that the skin suit gave one of them advantage over the other yesterday, uh, but mm. they were getting all custom measured on them um, Friday night because they knew that he'd be in the, the Pogacar being the young rider's jersey and probably the yellow jersey. They had custom custom cut suits um, ready for the next day. Um, but you know, there have been races where I think it was a Giro where I can't remember if it was Quintana or someone like that had a, a suit from the, the race sponsor, which was demonstrably slower than the suit he would have worn, which I think was an Enduro suit. Um, mm. had he not been in the lead and yeah. like you know he's not great in town towers anyway but <laughs> mm. um it's, it's just something you don't want praying on your mind you don't want it adding up um, but it, it can change the outcome of a race you know what if it was like one second different yesterday uh by the end of the by the end of the stage and one of them had a non you know not suit that they'd done all their testing on and, and one of them did it would have been you know as a as a as a team i'd have been mortified if you'd lost the tour de <laughs> france but something out of your control um, yeah
0: yeah and just let's get onto the time trail in a sec but one thing that i'm interested Mm. in aerodynamically is the radios and you know the radios is Mm. stuffed on the rider's back now i was um riding with john paul ballard who's the owner and founder of swissite recently and he took us on this amazing loop around switzerland near where he lives and he's got a cervello aero bike with aero everything on it as you might imagine and he didn't have a saddle pack on with his spare tube and pump and stuff. It was all just in his back pocket. And he said, "Oh yeah, this is narrow. This is a dead zone. There's no airflow here, so mm. I'm not messing up my aero seat post, but I can still carry the spares <laughs> for the ride. You know. Yeah. So he, he's got everything down. <laughs> so <laughs> is is the radio then on the skin suits and the road stages? Is that placed in the aerodynamic dead zone? It looks a bit so- higher up to me.
1: Yeah, so we actually did this with, um, should we say, a world tour team that um, had some unfortunate circumstances yesterday, <laughs> um, years and years ago. Um, and if you put it in the middle of your back high up, it was a, it was a penalty for them. Um, mm. And definitely something that you, yeah, you wouldn't want to do. I think a good example of where you don't want it was Richie Port yesterday, because he mm-hmm. had it high up on his back and also like offset to the right hand side. Yeah. it was real it was really sticking out and um if you have it in the wrong place it's going to be yeah it's going to slow you down so if you if you can afford to have it really low or if you can hide it in the tail of your aero helmet which is something that um well back when they were um garmin um mm-hmm. you know the ef education first team um they were they were doing that their helmets like if you've got a long-tailed helmet you can fit it um that's a great way of, great way of doing it but um yeah, it's 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 something. It's one of those other things that, like, yeah, if you need the radio, then you need to be able to test and put it in the right place. Otherwise, you're you're going to be costing yourself costing yourself watts. And I think that because the margins are so tight, you have to really you've got to look at everything, like every tiny little thing, because you can't afford to give away stuff like this when it comes to um, the margins that you see at the end of a grand tour. Um, so uh, so yeah, race radio placement definitely
0: one of the big ones for sure. And mm. um- You know, of course, one of the things that's flying through the air at considerable pace is the rider's feet. Now, we we had a visit from um, someone from one of the World Tour teams at the academy recently, and he was giving the lads a sort of inside, you know, the team talk. And he was saying with the sock rule, like the UCI have a sock rule famously, where the socks have to be a certain length. Yeah. He said, well, all you do is roll the socks down. So literally, the UCI are measuring people's socks (laughs) when they're rolled down and as soon as the blazer walks away, people just pull their socks up in order to get yeah. more I arrow. Mean, Evan
1: Paul did that at the World TT last year. He rolled down the start ramp, and the second he hit the
0: bottom of the start ramp, pulled both socks up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So crazy. essentially did you notice anything so i know you're a real expert aren't you with shoe covers and which shoes you should wear under your shoe covers etc so did you notice anything interesting in in the road or tt stages around footwear and shoe covers
1: um not necessarily around footwear so if you once you've covered up a shoe it it makes it a little bit better and it means that if you have a shoe with like big sticky outy buckles then it kind of smooths off the airflow a bit so you're better off um putting an over shoe over <coughs> over most shoes um but uh but no i think most of it was was more kind of like skin suit based everyone's got everyone's got a good idea of what's aero for a shoe now um which tends to be um a kind of like a flatter thicker kind of material on the front of the shoe um yeah. and then as you move towards the heel and then up the up the calf because you're going to get halfway up the calf as you say um uh, some kind of a roughened surface i mean the stuff that we use uh has like um uh, different materials on the front and the back of the, uh, Um, mm-hmm. but you can also use like a roughened surface, like, or, or a stripy surface, which is what a lot of people do, um, all the way around the, the shoe. But because the, the legs moving through the air quite quickly, um, you don't necessarily want to have a smooth surface because, um, that doesn't work quite so well for keeping the airflow attached and reducing this thing called the low pressure wake behind the, behind the leg. So you make that smaller, reduces the drag and then, you know, makes you, makes you faster
0: eventually. And can you um, optimize your leg shaving by leaving strips of hair in certain <laughs> strategic places? Is that a myth so, that?
1: No, no, no. We, have, we had a, um, a, a, a a female World Hour record holder who did that because you're not allowed to have, yeah. A, a, I think at the time, the the rules for the hour record were that you can't have overshoes on the track. They've changed that yep. now. You're allowed to use overshoes on the track again. Um, but she she did exactly that. Um, and and shaved um, her, <laughs> basically. Well, left her left her two little hair strips on the front of her legs, um, and I hadn't. I didn't. You know, I wasn't privy to the the test session at the time that they'd they'd uh, done that with. But um, apparently, it was quicker, and I imagine it probably would be if you did it right. I imagine yep. It looked pretty stupid as well, but you know, who cares? <laughs> stupid well, when you got an air helmet on.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I mean, it is funny because. Um, You know, cycling, you know, it's like you're dressed in cycling stuff and you might think, oh, yeah, I look kind of cool. But to everyone else, you just look like an insect, you know. It's like it works on the bike and that's about it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for people listening, um, you know, if they're interested in going faster on the bike, and a a huge amount of people are, even if it's just to beat their mates, you know, or get a better time in a sportive or, you know, maybe they're inspired by road racing or time trialing, what can they get from Aero AeroCoach? Uh, what would you recommend first? Is it buy products off your web shop or book some sessions?
1: I mean, the, the, we, we've got a section of the website which is devoted to kind of helping people out for free. So yep. um, because, as I mentioned before, the rider is the vast majority of the aero drag, um, sorting out your position and the the stuff that hangs off you, so things like clothing, is, is dead important. Um, and so... Um, there's like a, there's like a learn section of the site where we kind of approach some of that in terms of, yeah, whether it's clothing and, um, giving people an ideas, an idea of what would happen if you, let's say upgraded some wheels, um, or the public tire testing that we do too. Um, I'm really like, I know I bang on about tires, but I think it's really worth spending the time understanding the difference between tires. Um, because I, you know, I know that it's not just about out and out speed with a tire. The fastest tires are often the most lightweight that you're going to puncture all the time so they're not the right thing for people to choose you want to have the right choice of puncture resistance and grip and handling and stuff like that um, but understanding that if you have a choice between two tires and you're happy with the puncture resistance and the grip and the handling for both of them choose the faster one you know <laughs> um, and if you can find some data on that, i think that's the that's the right way to do it um and like you know yeah we make lots of stuff to um to speed people up but i think that um understanding how that that applies to your own personal riding is is really important. So whether you're just out for you know trying to smash it on the weekly chain gang or if you're trying to do a time trial or something, I think your requirements are quite different. Um, So for a TT obviously you want to be more on the aero side of things um and less on the comfort side of things. So you can afford to have a more kind of squeezy aero position. Um, Whereas if you're you know trying to go for long rides but cut down the time it takes you to complete them, um, then you know the more clever stuff. So you know wear tighter fitting clothing, um, choose the right pressures. We've got a little tight pressure calculator on the website to help people out. Um, you know choose the right tyres, that kind of stuff would, is
0: is the thing that's going to be more important for you. Yeah, and it, it is fascinating, guys. I mean, I remember, Zap, a few years ago, you did um, a series of podcasts with Mark Florence on the Cycling Time Trial hmm. podcast called Aero Piece by Piece, and I really recommend people go back and listen to those. Because I, I listened to those and, you know, I know a bit about bikes and tech and stuff, but I've never really considered it. And I was really sort of challenging myself in a kind of mammal way at the time. And I just took every piece of advice that you gave during those podcasts and I had a year intervening of doing the Ride London Sportive. And the, se- the mm. second year I did it, I mean, uh, um, obviously there could be other factors as well, but I was 16 minutes faster. It all adds up, doesn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. It's in sixteen minutes.
1: Well, it's imperceptible as well. Like you know, I can't tell the difference when I'm riding down the road on a set of tires that's five watts quicker. But by the time you finish a you know four hour ride, five six hour ride or something, that five watts is added up to yeah, as you say, like many minutes of improvement. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think that's why it's quite it's quite tricky to to kind of know for yourself and and why it's a bit of a minefield really like when you read manufacturers saying oh you know this is so and so faster and this and this and this um and every manufacturer is going to say that right like mm-hmm. you know I mean, we, we we claim that kind of stuff but we try and back it up with as you know rigorous testing and and good protocols as we um as we possibly can but um but it, it is a bit of a minefield i know for the end consumer to to read all this stuff and just be like i'm, I'm not gonna be able to tell is it is it worth bothering with and and that's the issue isn't it you read everyone saying their stuff's the best should i even bother with it and the answer is actually kind of yeah <laughs> uh, but it's just trying to find the right resources to enable you to make the right decisions that um is the way to go really
0: yep certainly i think it's the independent testing and and if you can get tested so you do on bike uh, sessions for people for aero testing mm. is that right yeah yeah that's right so if you're interested in really going the full Monty, uh, go to aerocoach.co.uk and, you know, look at the free advice. Um, seek out the various podcasts with Av, where he's talked about, you know, this piece by piece, aero piece by piece, and check out the products available there as well. Now, you have just done a, a race Av, and you've got to drive home, so we're not going to, you know, take too much more of your time. And people, people have probably got podcast fatigue as well after there multiple daily tour de friends podcasts etc <laughs> so we'll let the listeners go and do what they're going to do as well shave their legs in in strange ways etc yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh
1: yeah yeah definitely for every ride yeah.
0: brilliant well thanks so much for joining us um a real pleasure it's been fascinating following you online and you know i certainly really avidly follow the tire tests and stuff and uh actually just quickly before you go i saw you had some tuffo tires which are notoriously mm. slow Tufo tires but well, yeah. there was so much were 150 grams a pair oh it was mad yeah we, we yeah. no no per per tire per tire oh per tire sorry of course yeah yeah
1: yeah no that we got just... them it's it, it's weird because sometimes when you do the when we do this tire testing you get the tire and it, it you, you 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 hold them in your hand and you think there's no way this thing's gonna be quick it feels plasticky and weird and the, the, it just doesn't feel right it's not like a mm. a a supple cotton tire like you know you pick up an S-Works turbo tire and you're like yeah these things are these things feel great or or a Veloflex or something like that um but it doesn't translate into you know (laughs) how how it feels in your hand doesn't translate into numbers at the end of the day but yeah this Tufo tire was really weird because yeah as you exactly as you say Tufo tires are historically have historically been quite slow um but it's the I think it's the Calibra light um was crazy light crazy thin um, and tested really, really well. Um, but uh, I haven't actually ridden them out on the road yet. I mean, the stuff that we do is is purely looking at rolling resistance. And then with the best tires, we look at the aerodynamics as well in the wind tunnel around the Velodrome. Um, uh, and we don't really do puncture resistance and grip, which is something that I know bicycle rolling resistance do puncture resistance um, testing, which is really cool. Um, but grip is something that uh, we might be doing that with a tire manufacturer coming up Um, Mm -hmm. and we've got some protocols to play with that but it is quite a it's quite a tricky one you've got to really spend time making sure that the protocols that you use to test are applicable to the real world so when we Mm do our tire Mm -hmm. testing we do it on rollers but we then verify it by using outdoor velodromes. but in order to do that you've got to do the aerodynamic side of it too so that you're not just measuring the aero when you take it outside so it is a bit of a yeah, it's a bit tricky to do, but grip is something that I'd be really interested to um, to play with because everyone has a, a feel for what grips the best and and what's got the best kind of compound for cornering and things. But um, be nice to have a bit more public data out there, a bit more independent data um, on what that actually represents and you know how far can you lean on a particular tire before it will just go out under you. <laughs> but it, it but it is it is it is multifactorial because that will also depend on the center of gravity and you know the um speed you're going and stuff but there's it's cool because that means that there's more and more to come um yeah and there's more for you know certainly tour de france teams to optimize That mark hershey
0: for example had a grippy attire might have won the stage that's something they need to work on <laughs> <laughs> for sure well that's a great place to leave it so uh, we'd love to have you back at some point for a more in-depth chat but for now thanks so much cheers bye-bye no problem sure sean bye, bye.
1: If you want to break into the bike trade, train your staff, or even learn some new skills just for fun, Cycle Systems Academy has a course for you. Our graduates come to us from all over the globe and train with us to gain the highest recognised cycle mechanic qualifications available. The bike industry supports and believes in Cycle Systems Academy, which means they'll believe in you too.